this is the month of, uh, of talking about marriage, uh, reminding us uh, some, some simple truths about our really parallels with our marriages uh, between us and our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we took this morning, and we ended this month with parenting for a reason. Because, and we will talk fast if you'll listen fast, okay? We're going to get through a lot, but we're going to try and get through this quickly. Uh, just an FYI, the, uh, these seats here, find you one of these seats, they're a little cooler if you need them, okay? Yeah. Um, then the uh, wonderful Naga hide that's on the wings out there. But one of the things that is a foundation to good parenting is good marriages. One of the things that makes your children feel more secure and safer is when they see and know that their parents are in love with each other and that they have a soundness that no matter what's happening, stuff's going to happen in life. You're going to run through some rough patches. That doesn't matter as long as your children know that you're together, that you're, you're facing things together, that no matter what has happened, no matter what mistakes have happened, that you're in love and you're pursuing love together. It will bring a safety and a security to your home like nothing else will. It is the pure foundation for sound parenting is good relationship between you and your spouse. That's true. Um, uh, Jim and I, every once in a while, we'll send out a survey to our kids, like a blind survey. And we send out a text message. We send the exact same text message to all the kids, but they're not in a group message. So one can't be influenced by the other one's decisions and stuff. And our kids have, I would say, you know, we're set, well, let me just say this before I even say anything. We are not perfect parents. We don't have all the answers. Oh, God, no. But what we will share is what's worked for us. Um, and we'll even share some of the things that have not worked for us. So, um, but we, when we send out these kind of blind surveys, we did one one time about homeschooling, like if they felt that homeschooling was good and what they didn't like about homeschooling. And we didn't get all positive answers. We got some honest answers and some, you know, but, but all of it was true. So we said, this is the question that we sent out to the kids. We're teaching on parenting this week at church and would love to your input. In a few short sentences, can you give us some advice as to what you think is very important regarding raising healthy kids? Something that you will strive to accomplish when you have your own. Also, we'd like, to, like it to be something we can quote you on on Sunday. We wanted to give them just like a heads up. <laughs> we don't have to mention your name. We'll just say that these are the answers our kids gave. Now, if you want to have a fun game in your head, you can figure out, oh, I know what kids said that. <laughs> because uh, when we were reading them, we were like actually kind of surprised. Um, we were surprised that they were actually, they all said, yeah, use mine. Right. And say they had no problem with sharing for us to say this one said this or yeah, this Ben one was said like, that. "You can quote me or not. I could care less." I was like, "This is how I feel." It's like, "Oh, the grown man that you are, yeah, man." But, so, anyhow, this so, is Ben's answer, but so I'm not going to say all the kids. But so this I, came from Ben. You can <clears throat> quote me or not; it makes no difference. It's better to tell your kids, "I don't know," to something that you uh, that you feel like you need to supply them with. Um, and, and when you need, to, when you feel like you need to supply them with an answer, answer, if you don't know the question, if you don't know the answer to the question, it's okay. He's saying, please say I don't know. And it's better to say I don't know than to stifle questions. Question, questioning things is a good trait to not smother in your children. 
Questions means growing. And if a child feels like they can grow, then they've, if a child doesn't feel like they can't grow, then they don't feel safe. Yeah, they have to feel like, in other words, what he's saying is if a child feels like they can't grow, then they won't feel safe at home. If they can't ask questions with freedom and permission, then that's it. So we have one child that is not a writer at all and answers, he's my left-handed right brain child. I think it's important to keep them involved in church. It's also very important to pray together as a family. I remember dad doing that with us a lot. The next one is the most important thing I want to teach my future kids is that they are unique individuals, but they are also one of many. That they are divinely called and specifically chosen, but so is everyone else. I want them to learn this so that they know how to live in community and walk in their unique gifts as well. Now, I don't know, but that sometimes is the, um, the dilemma of the firstborn child that you pour so much into them. You're called, you're called, you're called, you're a world changer. And then they start working at like, you know, Elijah had a job at Kroger bagging groceries and he was like, I thought I'm called. I thought I was special. But you are like, and, and if, if you're a world changer, you're in the world and this is, the, you're part of the world, so change it. They didn't even ask me how I was doing. They just said, go out and get carts in the parking lot. <laughs> They didn't even ask my opinion on the day. Oh, God help us. Jesus, Holy Spirit is so kind and good. I think that transparency is important. This is another one of our kids and probably the most important thing. You and Dad have always been very honest with us, and I think it really made me trust you even more. Even when things were rocky, I knew that you guys had a plan, and it felt like we were all in on something together rather than just be blindly following, if that makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. Right? Okay, our last one. Being involved, I think it's very important to be involved, to know exactly where your kids' minds are. It is also good to talk about emotions, but the mind can be a dangerous place. And as a parent, it is important to know that, that it is your job to get your kid out of their own mind sometimes. That's the dark horse of our family. <laughs> the one that never talks and just sits back with a smirk in the back. That's... That's what's going on on the inside. I was like, holy smokes, wow, did you expect that one? He was like, yeah. no. <laughs> wow, I'm going to put that up on your wall in your room. <laughs> okay, so where do we start? We're talking about good parenting, and what is our why? Let's look at two scriptures, and that is uh, Luke 2, 51 and 52. In the Passion Translation, it says it this way. Jesus went with them back home to Nazareth, and was obedient to them. His mother treasured Jesus' Jesus's words deeply in her heart. And as Jesus grew, so did his wisdom and maturity. The favor of men increased upon his life, so he was loved greatly by God. And rarely you will hear us do this, but we go back to the New King James Version because I love how it, it makes it real simple in verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. He, was, he decided that at 12 years old, and this, is what, this happened at 12 when they found him teaching at the temple. And they were like pulling him back, saying, whoa, what are you doing? You're supposed to go home with us. You know? So he spent the next 18 years growing up, being the carpenter's son. Somewhere in that time frame, his dad passes away, but he's gaining favor with God and men. I don't know that 
that his favor, our favor, will increase with God when we choose to try and shortcut our growing up part. So why do we need to be good parents? It's so that our kids learn how to, to be obedient, to be humble, so that they will grow in favor with God and men. I know a lot of people hear that scripture and like, well, that was Jesus. I mean, but he was fully God and fully man. And he was still uh, a, a young man who walked through puberty. He was still a young man that was tempted by rebellion, I'm sure. Okay? He, was, he had all the same temptations that our kids do. And so, to me, it's the God factor that really has to remain intact for our kids to come out as unscathed as they can. I'm not going to say they'll, they'll come out perfect because there's no such thing. We're in, we're, this is life, okay? And it's all about actions and reactions, right? So um, what we're hoping to do here is to kind of walk you through a, a, a really quick process if we can. It's, it's really hard to teach on this subject when you're passionate and when uh, there's so much to talk about, okay? But here are some of the behaviors um, that we're going to talk about. This is what we're not supposed to expect from our children, okay? These are behaviors we don't want to see. Again, the relationship goal is going to be the parent-child relationship that we have with the father, okay? If we have a really healthy relationship this way, then it's going to be a lot easier to have the healthy relationship with our children this way. So here are some things that we should not expect from our children. We should not expect to live our lives vicariously through our children. No matter whether you feel like you come up short in life and you got gypped as a child and you want to do this, this, and this, and so you tell your kids, I want you to go do this and I want you to get into this over here so that you can live vicariously through them. You know, I see, I, I've, we had the, uh, the opportunity to firsthand see a pageant uh, that our, our, two of our daughters were in dancing class and we went to this pageant up in Lewisburg. It, oh my gosh. No offense to people who are into dance, it was but in, yeah. I'd rather have my guy eyes gouged out. It than was insane do that all over the way again. they were driving their daughters <laughs> to get up front and to put on this crazy stuff and all this makeup and, because they wanted to see them win. They wanted to win. They wanted, and their daughters were just like, oh God. They were like five and six. Yeah, and you could they tell that they were, in, they, they were pain to do it. <laughs> but the mothers Did were you just bring any goldfish? That's yeah. all they wanted to know. <laughs> And, and their moms crazy. had them, like, put makeup on and everything. I was like, oh. So don't expect your children to live a life that you want. Okay? That's, and stifle the very thing that God's called them to be. Plus, if you're living a life through your child, how are you ever going to live a life through yourself? You have a divine calling. Don't live through them. Live for you. Live for the God in you. I Quickly, I want to tell my, um, yesterday morning, I, I told this to my wife, this is a perfect place for it. We had a chance to go over to Durham and eat breakfast with my son, Ben. He's been married now for six five, months. six months. A grown man, has a life, has a wife. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Sorry, it was a breeze. <laughs> so glad he has a wife. So he, um, I'm sitting there talking to him, and I'm realizing that, you know, we're supposed to raise a child in the way they should go and they won't depart. I love sports. He does not. I love music, but very little of the same kind of music he likes. 
okay? He's vegan. I am not. But let me tell you something. All of the differences make, make up nothing compared to the, the fact that he loves well. He loves his Jesus well. He knows how to love people and accept them no matter where they're at in life. He knows how to love people well. He knows how to love his wife well. And the very characteristics that, you know, every now and then she'll say, oh, my gosh, that sounds like Jim. And he technically is my stepson. But you never I, know it when you hear him you talk never sometimes. Know. I'm like. Because of the character that's in him. And that's, I look back at him. I look at I'm sitting across the table from him while he's talking to his mom. And I go, man, thank you, Jesus. I didn't screw this up. So, number two. number two, sorry, we should not expect unreasonable maturity levels in an effort to compensate for our weaknesses. Because we don't know how to explain something or say, I don't know. Oh, why don't you grow up? And they're five years old looking up at you. I'm trying, you know, they're trying to grow up. But to, but to expect that maturity level right now because you don't know how to explain something. You don't know how to explain death. That's where we need each other. We need one another. We need the Holy Spirit for sure. That's number one. And we need each other. So don't expect that maturity up front. We should not expect our children to handle adult matters with un underdeveloped hearts and minds. If you're sitting there and your 10-year-old is watching a rated R movie with you, I want you to go back and say, Holy Spirit, is this the right thing to ask them to process? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this, too. I have a family member. I remember when The Passion of the Christ came out, okay? We went to go see it as a church body. And I'm telling you, it, like, it wrecked me, okay? It wrecked me. It was very, very realistic. And I remember my brother saying, well, there you go. My brother saying he took his son to see it. And he, he was little, like, like three or four and I said, you, you took him to see it? And he was like, yeah. He said, he was fine. That's exactly why he shouldn't have seen it. Right. That's exactly why he should not have seen it. Because we should not be fine seeing that. Right. Okay? So when we're, when we're putting our kids in situations, we want to find out if they're mentally, emotionally ready to handle it. If you, if you guys are in a, you know, when, when you're in a marriage that you're going through a, a rough patch, which we all do, Okay? You can't have discussions in front of your kids. You, you can't because their, their minds go to the D word. They're in a classroom of 50 to 60% at least where their par the parents' marriages didn't survive. So if you think, well, they're mature enough to understand, well, all people argue they're not. They're just not, okay? So your mom and dad's fighting, so they're getting a divorce? Right. It's a common. Yeah. So... We shouldn't ask them to process things like that so early. Okay, so number four, we should not expect to have a friendship with our children. It'll come, believe me, and it, when it comes, oh my gosh, the reward is so sweet, okay? But it's not going to be for a long time. It's, it's not going to be for a long time. It's like making an investment in a stock and saying, well, okay, three days later you want to pull it out and somehow buy something big and fancy. Mm-mm. It has to sit, and it has to mature, okay? Um, we should not expect or permit freedom to voice their opinion openly without kindness and respect. I, I think, you know, we, 
Jim and I come from a, a generation, probably a lot of people in here can say the same, where you were told that children are supposed to be seen and not heard, okay? And that your opinion didn't matter, to be quiet, and that somehow staying quiet was respect for authority. That's not true, okay? But showing respect in your opinion is respect for authority. Our kids are allowed to, I mean, there are things, a lot of things that we don't even really that much agree on in our family. Would you, Mackenzie, would you say that? Music being one of them, movies being another one, sometimes politics. And, um, and I'm really okay with that because nothing's ever spoken about unkindly. And really nothing matters more than my relationship with them anyway. Okay? Because when we get to heaven, we're not going to be graded on whatever our uh, job was. And you were, yes, the character in how you do your job, yes, that matters to Jesus. But what you do does not. Okay? So that's why the whole marriage thing becomes super important and the children thing because it's all about relationship, which is what God is all about. And we should not expect for them to be entertained everywhere they go. You really don't, I mean, it, I get it. You want to bring something for your kids to sit quietly for a little bit of time because it's a super important time for them to stay quiet. I'm there with you, okay? I, I brought crayons and coloring books everywhere I went. But as a general rule, um, I think it's okay for them to be bored. Because, I mean, in our house, nobody even wants to say it. Because if you're bored, I got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> and I'm a really good delegator. So everybody just says, I'm like, are you bored? Kids like, nope. Nope. <laughs> Immediately she starts looking for something to put her hand to. <laughs> look busy, look busy. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> yeah, look away. <laughs> if I don't look at her, she won't know I'm here. So the, here are some things we're going to go through that are things you should expect out of your kids, okay? These are some things you should expect. Now, keep in mind that these things should be something that is already something that's happening in your life, okay? If you're going to expect your kids to do something, ah, see, the Kikers say that you should listen to me and that you should obey me, and you're driving 80, 90 miles an hour down the road all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's by example first. Yeah. And, and also, you know, if, so, if you feel that something hits home a little bit here, don't go home and try to revamp your house and, like, do the whole Marie Kondo thing to your kids where you go home and, like, I'm going minimalistic, man. You're getting rid of this behavior and this behavior. And, like, okay, keep in mind this is process. That's right. Okay, this is process. And it's okay if you go home and you notice something, you're like, you know, I just noticed that and I don't really like it. Well, then we'll develop a plan to get rid of it, okay? So the, the first thing you should definitely expect to see in your kids is an obedience. This is such a passionate thing to me because people think that children are so, you know, if somebody, if you've ever done this in front of me and I'm saying this, I apologize in advance. But if you count when your children don't listen to you, don't do it in front of me. <laughs> I'm just gonna, let me just regroup for just two seconds. Do not count if you tell your child, go get this or go do this, and then you're like, one, two. Because I would much rather have like a three-second jump on anything Jesus asked me to do, but that's not how he works. If he says, I have a prophetic word for Kina, 
and I sit and I mull it over for a half an hour, I'll usually see somebody walk over to Kena. Because make no mistake, God's plan will come forth. Okay? So obedience is not just listening to a child, a child listening to a parent. Obedience is actually doing it the way I ask you to do it when I ask you to do it. Imagine that. Dang. That's good right there. Because, see, here's the deal. If I tell you to do something and you do it five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes later, then who are you serving? If you do it the way you want to do it, like, well, I didn't really want to. Did I have to mop the whole floor? I just mopped where I spilled something. Who are you serving? It's the epitome of servanthood. That's what obedience is. It's the absolute pinnacle of servanthood. Doing it exactly for Jesus, the way he wants it done, when he wants it done. So, yeah, we have two, two scriptures here. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. We've all heard that one many times. And children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. This goes back to our original charge. We want them to grow in favor with God and with man. Okay? Respect for authority. Keep in mind, this is a pathway in preparing them to hear the voice of the Lord and to obey, just as Nanette was saying. I think she gave me this part. She was really wanting me because... I used to have a very bad problem with my driving under the within the limits of the law, and uh, and it's mostly healed and uh, delivered. And uh, the um, the fact is is that we're always teaching our kids. We're always saying something, even when we're not saying anything at all. And so. I'm raising my, my daughters and my sons to, uh, to be obedient to authority, to respect authority. It doesn't mean they have to agree with authority, okay? I don't have to agree with the, pres uh, the president of the United States, whether it's this one or the last one or the one before. But the laws of the land are the laws of the land, okay? And I need to be able to honor those. And I need my children. Now, that goes into spiritual authority as well the power of spiritual authority and having someone cover you and knowing that they've got your back because you're, you're willing to submit to someone. Titus 3.1, remind them to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit hard on one spot right here and I'm not gonna apologize. If you leave out of church, you leave out of this service, out of our family gatherings on Sunday, and all you do in front of your children is badmouth the pastor, and you don't like the way we did this, and we don't like the way you're teaching your children something. Okay? If there's something that you truly have a conviction for, go to your pastor and say, listen, we need to have a talk. I have a problem with something. And have that conversation and pray together and talk. Okay? But just badmouthing them bad-mouthing your parents I have to put that in check I don't have the I'll be honest with you I don't have the best relationship with my mother okay and my wife knows this my children know it I have to keep that in check how I love and honor her 
and not share some of the things that have gone on between us. I have to keep that in check because I'm teaching them by my behavior how they are going to behave. 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. All right. The other thing is we should expect them to hear from God and experience God. Uh, I'm just I'm finished. I'm almost finished reading this um, Children in the Supernatural by uh, Jennifer Toledo. And she has this little excerpt in there. She has little tiny mini chapters, which are almost like devotionals. And she has a story about this girl, Megan. She was seven, and she had this amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, this girl went away with Jesus, had a date with him, interacted with Jesus, and was, like, changed. And so when this author was, you know, talking to the mom, she was talking to the mom and saying, you know, what advice could you give to other parents so that they could nurture their children in this kind of an experience with God, she said, it's simple. You have to live that relationship yourself first. You, um, she said, as parents, you have to cultivate a hunger in your own life, model it for your kids, pursue him all the time in the day-to-day -day activities, and stay in the place of thinking, he's my answer, he's what I long for. So, good. Yeah. so it's modeled behavior. You want your kids to experience God? They're not, it's not going to happen just in Sunday just on Sunday. It's just not. Another thing is, uh, to expect is maturity over time. Yes. Okay? If your two-year-old pitches a fit, that's one thing. If your seven-year-old pitches a fit and falls on the floor kicking and screaming, we're going to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. Okay? You're supposed to be maturing over time. We're going to lay hands okay? on them. Yeah. Hold fast to that which is good. <laughs> come here, child. Sweet Jesus. Help them, Jesus. I call your mercy down on this child right now, Lord. But maturity over time. Go back to Luke 2, 5, and 2. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. As our kids grow, there are certain things over the course of time that we should be expecting out of them in their ability to, to, to interact with others, to accept disappointment, how they accept disappointment, how to learn not to be offended. How to be excited for other people who get things that they want. That's right. That's right. Welcome to adulthood. We... <laughs> Wait, Todd. Adults are supposed to look like that. Wow. <laughs> we should expect to raise producers, not consumers. If all of your children growing up is just entitled and everything's supposed to be about them, what can I, what can I get? What am I not getting? Okay. We're coming up short. We should be able to, to produce producers. And that comes from modeling as well. Yeah. It's rare when I see parents who serve whose children don't later. <laughs> Come on. Oh. Galatians 6.10. So then, we have opportunity to let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. Mm. You know, you can get into 1 John. That right there is a, is a message unto itself about service to one another. 
and if your children learning how to serve one another. For no attaboys, for no pat on the back, for no praise, to learn how to love and serve others for the fact that that is just who we are. We should expect to see a love for others develop. Again, that's something that if you're not showing how to love on people, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter who they are, what their status is in life, whether they're rich or poor, white, black, yellow. It doesn't matter. If you can show how you can love on people well, I guarantee you that that is the step in the right direction to teaching your children about loving others. Well, and if you're only loving people that are just like you, are you really loving? Or are you just feeling like we belong? You have to love people even when you don't feel like you belong with them. Jesus didn't belong with any of us, really. I mean, he only, he only said and did what the Father told him to do. That's not who we are. That's who we long to be. It's who we strive to be. It's in our DNA to be. But we don't always walk in that. All right, we should expect to observe a natural bent or gifting rise up in our kids. We should expect to see a passion birth for something that has kingdom value, okay? In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. Every single believer, okay? So actually, it's not something that happens like as you go through puberty, all of a sudden something happens, okay? Or as you get, when you're 18, you graduate, you get your diploma and your gift, Okay, like, there you go, go use it well. It's something that you watch in your children and you observe it. Benjamin has always had a pastoral calling on his life since he was little. And I think that he misinterpreted that, and I communicated it poorly, that somehow that meant that he would have to be a pastor. Okay? So I think he felt all this stress on the anxiety on the inside, like somehow I'm going to have to use this in a church. I have to get hired. I have to do this full time. No. It was a gifting that was put in him. I remember Benjamin was like 13 or 11. I think he was 11. No, I think he was about 12 or 13. He got a phone call in the middle of the night when he first had his cell phone. So he was 13. And a kid was talking about, not, about taking his own life. And Ben woke me up at like 1.30 in the morning. He's like, so-and-so. And this kid wasn't even a friend of Ben's. But people, people who need to be shepherded are drawn to a shepherd. So if you find that your child always has these little sheep following them and asking them advice or telling them their problems, they probably have a pastoral calling. And they'll have to deal with it their whole life. Okay? It will not go away. I I can stand at Walmart. I have a pastoral calling on my life, right? (laughs) I could literally stand at the grocery store in Walmart and I'll... And I'll, I have, like, I have no makeup on, stained clothes, because I'm, like, working outside. I'm in there to get one thing. And the, wait, uh, the waitress, the cashier will sit there and tell me her life story. Or some, some old guy will come up in Walmart. We have so many stories. I'm standing right there, but he won't, I, I, I don't exist. And he starts telling his life to Nanette. And it's like, right. are you kidding me? <clears throat> but I know, I know exactly why. Like, it doesn't weird me out anymore. It used to when I was younger. And so I explained that to Ben. Like, listen, it's going to be your whole life. So be prepared to be tenderhearted. Be prepared to have more time. And be prepared to linger. You, you have to be prepared to linger with people. First Peter 4.10, every believer has received grace. Huh? You did? Yeah. Oh, sorry. He's trying to cover for me, making sure I'm getting my scriptures in. 
We need to allow our kids to be kids. Matthew 19, 14, and 15. The children were coming running up to Jesus, and the, and the uh, disciples tried to stop them. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. He actually rebuked the disciples. He said, you let them come to me. You need to learn from them. Let kids be kids. Let them run with imagination. We don't let them hurt themselves or hurt others. We don't let them go down the wrong paths of, um, uh, uh, of bad belief systems. But at the same time, let them be children. Jesus said, hey, learn from them because if you're not like this, if you don't have this unbridled belief, this unbridled faith like they have, then you can't even get into the kingdom of God. You need to be like them. They're running to me. They're wanting to hang out and have fun with me. Yeah, they have a wild heart. So let kids it's not supposed be kids. To really be tamed. You know, that's one thing in here. You know, we, we've got children in here, and once a month we have kids in here, all service long. Okay, let them be kids. It's okay. We can talk over the crying and the, 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 the loud voices when they're and not we'll paying help attention. help them mature through it. They will. We're not going to just, you know, as parents, as all of us as parents, it's not okay to get up and down a hundred zillion times in the middle of church. But it's okay for us to tolerate it, and it's okay for us to expect it. And then, and then as they get older, say, okay, can you sit still for a few more minutes? We're almost done. We're, like, up, we're coaching them. We're training them. I grew up Pentecostal holiness. Let me tell you something. It was nothing to, to reach over and get a, uh, lose a piece of skin out from the back of your arm because you were misbehaving. Okay? And you weren't even doing that much misbehaving, but you were supposed to sit still and be quiet for two, three straight hours. Oh, my gosh. That was insane. You know? Let kids be kids. All right. So we're going to try to speed up a little bit here and kind of go through the process. We wanted you to kind of have a, an understanding of what behaviors you should not see in your kids and what you should encourage in your children. Okay. And now we're going to try to go through as quickly as we can some of the, some of the methods that we've used and, and stuff like that. But one of the things I really want to make sure you understand is that parenting requires a bit of a plan. Okay. It's not like don't get engineer on me like we're like, this is the plan. It's not like that kind of plan. It's like a goal. You know, here's, here's our goal, okay? Our goal is we want to raise kids that are um, producers who love Jesus, love their community, know how to love others well, people that are very different than them. And we want our kids to have a strong work ethic, okay? We want, we want our kids to have a boss that says, I'm so glad I hired him. I'm so glad I hired her because they always go beyond. They never sit still. They kind of like are really just engaged where they are, okay? So that's kind of some of our goals. Aside, there's other things that we have, but that's a basis. And that child rearing is not something that's just going to happen. Good parenting doesn't just happen. It's, not, it's like the Big Bang Theory, like all of a sudden, oh, my God, we had great kids. <laughs> that was a near miss because... <laughs> Uh, it requires a goal and a plan, okay? I'll be honest with you. There is uh, early in my adult life of parenting, I had no, I did not have a plan. I did not see my children as wives and husbands. After going through a divorce and coming into this blended family, so much of that changed. So much of that, I realized, wait a minute, there is some some kingdom goals that I need to be thinking about today, the way we're raising and interacting with our children today. Right. right. So it's not going to be easy. Society is not going to make it easy for you to do it the right way. I mean, it's a many, very politically incorrect, incorrect subject to talk about sometimes. 
Yeah, and how many times have you seen uh, television shows where the parents are idiots? Okay. And it's usually the, the woman the talking about her husband like he's a moron. Yeah. I'm like, so, so okay, society awesome. is, 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 is etching away at that. Yeah. Uh, your children will not always make it easy. You know, you're wanting to walk in love and patience and kindness. And it's like, oh, sweet Jesus, help this child. You know, they're not going to make it easy all the time. Yeah. And iron sharpens iron. The, even when they resist. That's a good opportunity to get back on your knees and, and get before God. Plus, if you want the warm fuzzies, you're not going to get it in child rearing. You find, out, find a different hobby. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're going to not be liked a lot, especially from the age of 13 to, no, 12 to 16. Yeah, 12 to 16. Yeah, 12 to 16. Uh, Nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, grandparents are not going to make it easy. Sorry. Sorry, but it's not true. always. They, they don't always make it easy. I mean, they want, they love that they don't have any of the parenting responsibility. They can love and spoil and then send that spoiled thing back to you. Yep. All, every noisy toy that you, you have always told your child no, they will get it. Anything that has um, something that will put them in a diabetic coma, your, your parents will give to your children. Thank you. So we have I'm to almost there. <laughs> so we have to be intentional. Right. Yeah. Constant communication on a daily, hourly, and sometimes minute by minute basis with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when things are tough, that's the time when you need to you need to be in plug, plugged in with the Holy Spirit. That's not when you start learning how to hear the voice of the Lord. Right. Okay. Because then you're going to struggle and you're going to flounder. But that's not the time to do that. Now's the time when you, to, now's the time to get in and you're tight with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, and, and have that relationship and know his voice mm -hmm. so that when those tough moments come up with those teenagers or with that, that obstinate nine-year-old or whatever, now you can do it. Yeah, and that's why you develop your community. Because, you know, you're not looking for friends who just tell you what you want to hear. You want somebody who's going to sharpen you, who's going to say, Okay, get back in the fight. You can do this. We, we got to win. We're the parents. Come on, get in there. Don't, don't grow weary. Get back in there. So without a plan, without a focus, without an end in mind, you're going to fr be frustrated, okay? Because you're not going to be able to look through the moment. Because sometimes what's happening is not what's going on. And sometimes you see that, 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 that behavior and you're just getting flared up at it and you're like, nope, they're going this direction. And they're not as bad as they were a year ago. You know, so keep that, fo you have to have a focus in mind or you're going you're gonna to be frustrated, you're going to act, react, you're going to act out of anger. Training is a two-step process that is ongoing and never ends. Now that you're a parent, that's it. The rest of your life, as long as they are alive with you, you're a parent. You are a parent to them. You will be a grandparent someday. And some of you who are not married, you have spiritual children. Okay? Well, I haven't seen that person in 20 years, to, you know, but I, I'll lay money that there's times that people in your past, the Holy Spirit will say, get on your knees and pray for that person. Once you've, you've, you've invested by the Spirit of God into someone, especially your your born children, but even your spiritual children, that's it. It's time to plug in and be prepared to stay there. Model, model that behavior you would like to see developed 
and discipline the behaviors you want to see diminished or to move out. That's the whole goal. You've got a plan, you know what you want to see, you know what you don't want to see, and now you're modeling the behaviors in your home, so you're, already, you're doing the work, you're baby stepping it, you're doing the work, and now you're gonna try to uproot some of the stuff that you're like, oh, I just saw that and I don't really love that, okay? That was, that you saw something in your kid that, you know, they were, let's say, okay, here's a good example. When your kids go to a birthday party and they're little, and somebody's getting a lot of presents, does everybody already know how that usually ends up being, okay? And so now you see, you might see like a little spark of jealousy in your child. And as a parent, the Holy Spirit's giving you the discernment. You saw it. It's like, I don't know, a spark. And so you pull your kid back and you say on the way home, well, wasn't it awesome at the birthday party? Look at everything that they got. Yeah. And then that's the time to remind them all that they have all the blessings they have, and that we should rejoice in when other people get things. That's the, not, the, not later on when they're jealous, jealous, okay? When it's already rooted and they're like 17 and bitter because everybody else is going on vacation, your family ain't. Or, or, or entitled, because I remember when I was a kid, you went to a birthday party with a present in hand for that person. Now you're, you get upset if you go, if, if little Johnny goes to a birthday party and they don't have a gift bag for them so that they have something, they're getting something too. And it's like, wait a minute, okay? That's, that's a, now you're, you're enabling entitlement. I was like, when we first got married, every time, uh, when we first got married, okay, before the blending really happened, every time one of the girls, Hannah or Kit, had a birthday, their mom would send the other one a present too. I was like, what? What's happening right now? <laughs> so I said to him, why, why, do they do, why does she do that? And he's like, I guess she doesn't want the other one to feel bad. I'm like, feel bad? How about just accept the fact that it's not their birthday? It ain't your birthday. <laughs> this is about celebrating the other one today. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. So he's talking about training, and now we're going to start working into discipline a little bit, okay? Uh Children are not going to change unless they feel pain. Actually, we don't feel, we don't usually, right, we don't change unless we experience pain, okay? Well, my, my suspension and my tickets was pain. That helped me get into the place where I understood that misbehaving on the road was not such a good payoff. Yeah, eat out all, eat out all month and then don't have the money for your electric bill. That's painful, Okay. So our children are no different. I'm, I'm keeping in mind in the parenting aspect, okay, that not everybody can discipline, physically discipline. We believe in spanking. Yeah. But I will tell you that we didn't spank all of our children because it didn't work for all of them. I have one, one of my daughters, I can just look at them when they've done something, and I just look sternly, and they'll start crying and, and repenting. I mean, bawling. Ever since they were little, they, they, and then the other one, what? What? You know, been times when that you one got spanked, and they just look at you like, is that all you got? Right. So that, you know, we encourage, we do encourage spanking, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that might look like uh, in, a, in a spanking situation. But again, if you are a grandparent, or you have a child that's not, doesn't belong to you, 
if you're a foster parent or you babysit and you do not have the ability to spank a child, or again, you have a child that does not really, I had one child that every time I would spank her, she just would lose it, like not in a good way lose it, okay? And I've, I think I only spanked her like maybe two times. The first time I thought maybe I did it the wrong way. So I reevaluated my plan a little bit and I went back at it. And again, the same thing. And it was like, okay, this is not working for her. She's, it, it rattles her. It, she can't even, she loses her mind. So I, I don't spank, I didn't spank that child, okay? I had, a, I had another child, I just, want, I just wanted to spank him all the time. If he was here at Elijah, he would laugh. He would say, I tried to break you. He said that the other day when we were talking to him about this. Yeah, he, he tried to break me, but he did not do it. He tried to. And I just, so I did not spank that child because I wanted to. I mean, I spanked him, but not as much as I wanted to. And spanking is not beating or slapping. Right. Okay? Let's just clear some air here. All right? Beating a child, especially when you're angry, or you said what to me? Pow! Yeah, it's this is not a hand reaction. that provides. And you're smacking them across the face and smacking them down and stuff. Nope. That is not spanking. That is diminishing. That is shamefulness. That is, I'm letting you know that the hand that provides also is judging you and does not want you. I'm telling you that beating and spanking is out. Beating and slapping is out. Yep. Um, right here. Okay. Wait, what? Right here. What is not healthy discipline? Punishing with church is not healthy discipline. Yeah. That's right. Punishing with church. Listen, Pun yeah. you wanted to go to that football game Friday night? Uh -uh, because you've been misbehaving, you're going with me church Friday night. Rob taking two, two to revival. Yeah, you're going because to revival every night this week delivered. because I expect God to deliver you from this evilness. <laughs> Don't use church as a form of punishment. Or Unless you want your kids to avoid it later. Yeah, or scripture reading. Fine, you're going to behave that way? For the, next, for the next two weeks, I want you to read the Bible for two hours a day. That's punishment. Now, there's a difference between correction and punishment. The thing is, is that after punishment, there have been times when we, okay, let's go into the Word. This thing that you're dealing with, let's go find out. I want you to get into the Word and find that thing and see what God has to say about it. Let's take some sticky notes and put some scriptures on them and put them around your room so that you can remember what that Word says about who you are and what God says about that subject. Okay, we take and we turn it into a teaching moment. We've had moments where um, when Kit was younger, we had a journal for her. And when she would have, uh, go through a thing, you know, it's like, it's almost like seasonal. It's ebb and flow, you know, your kids are like coasting for a while and then all of a sudden something happens, you're like, what just happened to you? Like, you know, who are you hanging out with? Right away you're starting to take an inventory. And we would put a scripture, we would, obviously there was a lot of things that went into place, okay? But then one of the things was we would put scriptures in there about who God says she is and how she's meant to behave. And then we would ask her to write in her journal every night. And sometimes we would write and there would be these deep things in there and I'd say to her, did you write that just because you wanted me? Because that's what we wanted to hear. Well, maybe. I mean, it's not foolproof, but I mean, it's keeping her focused on what who God is and who she is in God's life. I mean, she plays a role. That She's his friend. She is his friend. 
Um, so healthy discipline is swift. It's when it happens. Now, as your kids get older, I can tell you as an Italian mother that I can look across the room and look at my child and be like, and they're like, oh, man, I don't even want to go home. <laughs> okay? That's for your older child. If you're expecting to see a behavior uprooted, it needs to be dealt with, with swiftly. And, uh, and the behavior needs to be mentioned. It needs to be clear. Okay? Don't use a paragraph. Use a sentence. I know the temptation to go off Go off on your husband later on or your wife later on after you've had the sentence with them. Go in there and just, like, do your business and just get it all out. But don't waste your breath on that child because they need to know distinctly what they did wrong, okay? Uh, he mentioned earlier Proverbs. We're training up a child in the way he should go so that when he's older, he will not depart from it. Benjamin is our friend, but he is still our child. If I hear something in him that shows no compassion for other people, I will do it differently, but I will gently mention about how, who we're supposed to be to other people. That modeling and discipline will never end. Um, spanking is methodical. It's done with love and in love. It does not allow anger to linger. Your child should never feel that you're angry afterward. And the child should always feel safe. Now, they're going to dread the punishment. I'm not going to lie. But dreading the punishment and dreading the person who punishes them are two different things. Okay? Because this is who we live with. We, we don't want to ever, we always want to feel safe with the people we live with. But we don't, you know, so they're going to dread the spanking. But then when the spanking's over, the spanking is over. Because we're forgiving them and we're giving them a new slate. Let's just see how you fly now. It should be, and I mentioned this earlier, it should be sandwiched with, uh, with training. This is what you did wrong. This is what happened. These are the consequences. You're going to get your punishment or your spanking. And then it's also a very good time for you to exercise prophetic hope. Listen, I know you had to get corrected right now, but I know that you're better than this. I know that God has created in you a wisdom and a power. I don't care how old they are. I had the opportunity with uh, someone in here that's not my child. I got a phone call one Sunday morning, and I had the opportunity of speaking prophetic hope into that child to be obedient to their parents. And I tried to get on their level and say, listen, man, God's called you to be a superhero. He's called you to be a superhero, and that starts with the power to be obedient. It's a good time to exercise prophetic hope into your children. And we already mentioned earlier, you know, that um, there are certain personalities of children that just, it does, spanking doesn't work, okay? And a lot of times I find in my vast knowledge of children, whatever, but, you know, that it has a lot to do with um, their love language. You know, uh, if a child is a words of affirmation kid, you're going to do a lot more with words of affirmation because that's just how they're wired, okay? So I think that if you're paying attention, I'm not saying not spank your children, but I'm just saying if you're looking for alternative methods of discipline, that that's a, that's a good way to look. Like if you have an, um, well anyway, we'll go, we'll go into that in a second, but other methods are, whatever you're gonna do, it has to be done swiftly, it has to be done consistently, and something that will cause discomfort, okay? And that's gonna be different for every single child. You have to keep in mind that 
you know, every kid is different. So if you give a curfew, if you have an introvert and you tell them that they are grounded and you send them to their room, I will tell you right now, every introverted child is like, please, Jesus, let them ground me. Okay? I, had, I have one child that is extraordinarily social. I'm an introvert. I have extroverted personality traits, but I'm mostly an introvert, okay? I have one child who, like, his life depends on being around the energy of other people. And so when, and he would usually be the catalyst when, before I was married to Jim, if it was just my three kids and me, single parent, if there was ever going to be a child that was going to be the instigator, it was always him. His name was rarely said, Elijah. It was always, Elijah. So if I had to take the catalyst out of the equation, I would have him at times eat supper by himself. <clears throat> Not completely isolated. I didn't wound him. I knew that this child was social. So listen, if you love to be around social people, then God despises those who sow discord. He desp- he does- there's only a few things God literally hates. Right. But a person who sows discord is one of them. And this is what I would tell him. I'm like, listen, we love you, but you're sowing discord in this family. So, hey, you hang out here tonight so we can have peace. If you want to be part of the peace, come on in and be part of the peace. But I always left the door. Like, he was in this little section by his room. We had a little desk in there, and we'd leave the door open. And he would be like, can I come out? What are you guys doing out there? Are you watching a movie? Can I watch a movie when I'm done? I mean, this, you know? <laughs> And, but I knew it was working because it caused discomfort. Uh, it could be cutting off TV. Yeah. You know, that can be a, a form of punishment. It's like, okay, you don't get to watch your favorite shows this afternoon. Or a curfew to go to bed at 8 o'clock and, <clears throat> instead of staying up and watching your favorite show at 8. Um, the, uh, in this day and age, turn off the Wi-Fi. Now, if or your kids have data, sm- yeah, but yeah, you can go on Verizon and let you cut that, your kids off. For the longest time, our kids, we pay for their phone for one reason, so that I can take their phone, you know, or turn it off. And we, you know, with Verizon, that's who we have. There's a, there's a parenting app that you, goes along with it. I can shut everything down on your, in your life on your phone. And, uh, and I can see what you're up to on your phone, you know, who you're calling, who you're texting. You know, so my kids knew that at any time I could apply that if I needed to. You know, my brother has this genius plan. So his, you know, you can put all your phones on a diet, like how much data they use. So he would give his kids, like, hardly any data, okay? And then what he would do is he would change the Wi-Fi password every single week. So if they did all their homework, they did all that they was expected of them, which the expectations are clear, it's not like, well, I didn't know you want me to do that. It's... This is what my expectations are. Homework is done. Your room is picked up. Your laundry is put away. If you're gracious enough as a parent to do your children's laundry, our kids after the age of nine don't. They do their own laundry. We all have laundry days, and they, it's expected that it's washed, folded, and put away in the same day. And there's consequences if you don't. So. One of those consequences, one of our kids decided that they just weren't going to do it, and they were... Sh- there was this big pile of stuff that was creating a scent out from under their bed. No, she would take my, remember? She would take the clothes out. This is how she started to learn how to do her own laundry. She, I would wash her clothes, put the pile in her room, and then she wouldn't put it away. 
and then the clothes would get mixed up with dirty clothes. So then she'd take all the clean clothes and put it in the oh, hamper because she yeah. wasn't sure yeah, which yeah, yeah. was what. So, and I would see stuff. I knew she hadn't worn. I'm like, wait a minute. I just washed this. So we had this really cool in the utility room just for decoration. We had this uh, washboard. And, uh, and so we took that down off the wall. And for a week, that child got to wash her clothes with the washboard in the sink. It cured a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, let me just say this. If you don't honor your parents' time, um, it takes a lot of time to wash, fold, and make piles of your kids' laundry. It's done out of a sacrifice and it's done in love. If my kids don't appreciate it, I am not going to do it for them. I mean, I will when they're little because they're learning. But again, we're expecting a level of maturity and growth here. Okay? So there should be a turning point where she doesn't say, where are my clothes? She says, thank you, Mom. Thanks for doing my clothes. Because she understands it's not something she's entitled to. She understands it's a gift. It's and, a love offering from me. And, and there's give and take in that. If a, if a kid's sick, we wouldn't hesitate to wash, wash their clothes or do some of their chores for them. Right. You know, if they've got something else going on in their life to, and that's an exception to the day-to-day. She even said recently, because now she does her own laundry, and she always dreads laundry. She's like, I hate laundry. I said, I know. And she says, I know. I think about that all the time, all the clothes I used to give you <laughs> to do, and they weren't even dirty. I was like, hmm. So we're going to end on a positive note, and yes. that is let's talk about the grace card. See, while the term, terms are similar, meaning grace and mercy are not the same thing, to summarize the difference, mercy is God not punishing us for our sins that we, that we deserve. And grace is God blessing us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. Grace is extending kindness to, un, to the unworthy. We, this term, grace card, in our family is a, is a popular word. We love our kids so much and we're so proud of them. There's so many gifts inside of our kids. And I full well know that they're a talent given to me by God, and I don't intend to bury it. And that I want, I want there to be a yield in my kids. That when Jesus comes back or I meet him, he says, look what you made from what I gave you. Look what you, look what you did. It, there's multiplication in it. Okay? So this is not a way, a grace card is not a way of like, I am exhausted from implementing these consequences. Because <laughs> you know, when you go through a season with a kid, it usually feels like it's a nightmare usually, okay? And it feels never ending. And you have to stay strong in it. And it's not easy to stay strong in it. And there's grace in that. But this is, that's not what this grace card is for. It's not because you're tired and you're worn out. This is just because it's a, this is a precise tactical and radical move that is intended to overwhelm your child with love. This is intentional. The same way the Father does it to us. When you feel the least worthy, you get it. If you've been working hard and you have a two-week punishment ahead of you and there's been a huge flip in your child and the Holy Spirit quickens you and says, no, 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 this, is, this isn't just a behavior change. This is a heart change. Then you give a grace card. In our house, it's given with a dialogue. We actually reiterate what the behavior was. 
we reiterate what the punishment was, and then we implement and forgive the debt. We like forgive the debt because we want them to feel that release. We want, to under, want them to understand the magnitude of what they're getting so that they appreciate it. Your kids are part of your calling, are part of your purpose. You were called, the, the kids you have, the spiritual kids you have, God called you to be their parents. Even in those tough moments, you're there for a reason. There is no, well, it, this must be a mistake. You can't really be my child, okay? No, absolutely not. You were called and given an anointing. You may, not, you may be struggling to tap into that, but there's an anointing for you for those specific children in your life. So our challenge to you is get counsel. If you need counsel, you need someone to come alongside and pray with you. You want someone to come alongside you and, and, and to help you with the rearing process. You know, get that. Stay strong to your convictions. Don't give up. God has not given up on you. Don't give up on your children. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you, Father, that you have given us a purpose and a plan, and we actually get to express your very nature of parenting with those that are in our care. And so I just ask right now, Father, for a fresh revelation and a fresh anointing, a revival of parenting to be in this house, that we know how to love well, serve well, to rear well. Father, I just thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name. No, we just love you guys. We encourage you guys. We love your kids so, so much. And we see, we see natural gifts, gifts and bents in your children. So I hope you guys are paying attention as well. We love you guys. Just stick around and help us clean up, right? If you have any questions. Oh, yeah, the painting. Like 51st dates. <laughs> Come on up. If you have any questions, if there's anything about marriage or parenting or anything that Nanette and I can help you with, we will work to make time for you, okay? It may not be the very moment that you want, but let's do a little give and take. We want to help you. We want to be there to support you in any way we can. We enjoy that.